there! Welcome to episode 4 of MMI Podcast, Mental Health During Crisis and Pandemics. Hope that you would enjoy this episode and watch this space as we provide you with more episodes to come. Also, do follow us on Facebook at Malaysian Medics International or our website malaysianmedics.org to know more of our interesting projects. Welcome to the fourth episode of our MMI podcast series, Mental Health During Crises and Pandemics. I am Siwa again. You might recall me from episode one, which was about anxiety and loneliness. And I really hope all of you are doing well. Today, I'll be co-hosting the show with my fellow colleague, Gayatri. Hi, Gayatri. Hello, Siva, and all our fellow listeners. Today's episode is called Relief from Grief. We will be speaking about a heavier and far more sensitive topic than before, which is grief and bereavement of the loss we've experienced in this COVID-19 pandemic. We've invited Dr. Edmund Ng, a renowned grief specialist, to talk to us about this topic and explain to us about how to cope with our losses in this difficult period of time. Welcome, Dr. Edmund. It's a pleasure to have you here. Thank you. I'm pleased to be with you. All right, great to have you too, Doctor. We are aware that you have several qualifications and you play many crucial roles in our community. Would you like to tell us a bit about yourself? Well, basically, I'm a grief therapist and a psychotherapist. Mm -hmm. I'm in private practice as well as in community service, uh, reaching out to grieving people for the last uh, 15 years. All right, that's great. Thank you for sharing, Doctor. You're welcome. Grief is a topic which I believe is neither simple nor superficial. We definitely need a deeper understanding about grief itself before moving on to the grief associated with the current COVID-19 situation. Doctor, could you just tell us, what is grief? How does grief come about? Well, grief are all the painful consequences following a loss. Mm-hmm. It comes about because in our relationship, we have attachment, whether to people or to things. Mm-hmm. And when that attachment is severe, then we feel the pain of loss. Grief is the resulting mental and emotional and even behavioral uh, anguish that follows experience of loss. That explanation of grief that you just gave, it actually paints a different picture, which is different from what I've always had in my mind and most people would have in mind. Because every time I think about grief, my immediate next thought would be it, it's a loss of a person or a living being dear to me. But actually, it's the loss of anything that you could be attached to. Yes, yes. Does that mean that there are actually different types of losses? Yes, there are basically uh, three broad categories of loss. Mm-hmm. One is a tangible loss. If we have lost a family member, well, that is uh, one of the most common tangible losses. Mm-hmm. If we lost our source of income or our wealth or house that burned down, or we lost a part of the body, and these are all tangible losses. And then there's uh, another broad category we call intangible losses. Now, these are very obvious losses that can accompany tangible losses. So, if you are in relationship with somebody and uh, for example, a husband and wife, and uh, there, there is a divorce, then there is this loss of relationship. Or a mother losing her child, so not only losing the child as a tangible loss, but she also loses her role as a mother. 
So that role, loss of role is called what we call an intangible loss. Right. Loss, loss of security, loss of hopes and dreams. All these are intangible losses. Mm-hmm. Then of course, as a person grows, there is what we call the developmental losses. A child is growing up, feel there's a loss of those happy days being taken care of as a child. As he's growing up, he goes to study somewhere. Yep, yep. Then he leaves behind all the security and all the comforts of home. That is part of what we call developmental losses. So these are at least just the three broad categories of losses. Mm. So just to reiterate what you said, there is tangible losses, there is intangible losses, and there is developmental losses. Yes. Okay. So, well, come to think about it, if you look at the current COVID-19 crisis, you can actually witness so many reasons to grieve. And I recall reading recently that people experience different types of grief, sometimes even without losing anything, or it can even occur in a group rather than an individual or on the societal level in this COVID-19 crisis. And these types of grief even are given different terms. So, Doctor, could you just walk us through these different forms of grief that we commonly see in this current pandemic? I'd like to start with what we anticipate of an impending loss. So, a person who is infected and then there is the possibility of the condition deteriorating towards death, then there is uh, an anticipation of the worst that can happen. So, we call that uh, anticipatory grief because the loss of life and loss of relationships. And even for normal circumstances that will be some form of grief resulting from whatever losses from the losses that we have mentioned just earlier so there is this normal grief and complicated grief Mm -hmm. Uh, grief is something natural we are wired to grieve when there is this loss of attachment so it is healthy to grieve over something we miss something of somebody that was close to us and that is normal but when grief is not properly addressed, no grieving is undertaken in a healthy and complete manner, then what if normal grief can turn complicated? In other words, it becomes acute and uh, there are complications arising from it. So when such happens, there is no progression towards recovery, get more intense and more severe. So that is uh, what we call complicated grief. And on top of that, some grief because of social disapproval, some losses are not uh, socially sanctioned. Mm-hmm. You know, like a person who has recovered from the coronavirus infection, yeah. right? when people come to know of it, they may still distance themselves from that person uh, because that person may be without symptoms mm-hmm. and still suspected as a carrier. So that results in a loss that has been disenfranchised. In other words, people disapprove you to have the right to grieve. So that grief uh, is what we call disenfranchised grief. And you mentioned about uh, collective grieving. Whenever there's a community loss or a disaster that rampages through the community, or like in the case of the COVID-19 pandemic that rampages through the country or even across the entire world, there is a collective form of grieving in the sense that everybody felt the loss and they are sort of they are in the same boat, of course, to different intensities. 
So these are some different categories of griefs that we can uh, talk about. Alright, so now knowing that there are so many types and reasons of grief and losses, I think that it's definitely not right to compare the severity or the magnitude of the impact between them, right doctor? Certainly, certainly. In the first place, grieving is always done in the context of different peoples, different cultures. The way that, uh, for example, the, the Islam religion sees the proper way of mourning and grieving would be very different from different uh, religions and different races. And so the expression of grief is very much sanctioned or influenced by the religious and cultural factors affecting it. And then, of course, different age groups will grieve in different ways. For example, adults grieve differently in the sense it is a constant kind of pining. Whereas uh, for younger people, especially children, they grieve intermittently. They're out there playing and they're happy. And then when they come back to uh, the absence of a parent, for example, they would go into that grieving mode. So between ages, there are different approaches and expressions of grief. And uh, even between men and women, men grieve very instrumentally in the sense that, you know, he's trying to find solutions to help him in his grief. Whereas a woman, they are more emotive and they, they just uh, reflect on things and uh, think over and then they get into the emotions. So between men and women, there are also differences. Alright, Doctor. So I understand that, um, in essence, the experience of grief is not standardized um, among different people, right? Yeah, and therefore, it is important that we do not compare uh, whatever progress or lack of progress and start to be judgmental against one another, especially among family members, because there are different styles, patterns and expressions of grief. Alright. Okay, Doctor. So, we've spent quite a long time speaking about grief so far, but I believe that real-life stories might allow the audience to relate more to what you've said and the actual grief scenario of COVID-19. Perhaps you could share with us about your experience or someone else's experience of grief. We do know of people, loved ones, have died. First of all, uh, the infection of it is quite unexpected, sudden. How can it happening to me or how can it be happening to our family members? So uh, that initial res- uh, reaction is usually quite traumatic and as the condition deteriorates and therefore the anticipatory grief comes in, mm-hmm. you are waiting in the house for calls because you cannot visit the patient uh, because of the movement in, uh, restrictions and this, some countries are very strict about it. And so mm-hmm. even death can be quite shocking. Yes. And therefore, it is a law that you don't even have a chance to say goodbye. Right. Yes. In some countries, they don't even allow funerals or even that, maybe funerals at a distance and without the physical presence of other people, maybe apart from the immediate family members. So the bereaved family is deprived of community support that is, that is common uh, under normal conditions. And therefore, the loss can be quite uh, unreal, uh, like a dream. So this this is a common scenario in, in many, many countries. Yeah, yeah. so Doctor, like you said, the, the loss of something, like suddenly, it's, I perceive it as the worst form of loss, actually. 
and I feel like it gives you no time to actually compensate for the loss because of the shock. Yeah, yeah. Our body naturally builds up defense yeah. uh, to protect us from being overwhelmed. So in the initial stage, you have no time to process uh, all these things that are happening around you. And therefore, there will be uh, a lot of deniers in the beginning part. Alright. But is it possible, doctor, for us to grieve without being aware of it? Like without being presented with symptoms? Of course. When you are in a state of shock and disorientation, you can still function very well. You know, you mm-hmm. have to make months and all that kind of thing. So when you ask the person, are you coping okay? Of course, in the initial period, because the reality of the loss has not fully sunk in yet. Right. Uh, they, they will tell you, I'm okay, I'm okay. But over time, uh, one or two weeks that follows, okay. then the reality starts to sink in. Then they will start to feel the symptoms of the grief uh, following the loss. So yes, initially one may be grieving, but not really feeling the grief because the symptoms are not there because of the denial. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay, so in med school, Uh, there are these five stages of grief that we were supposed to memorize and commit to memory. If I recall them correctly, they were denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. And recently, I just read, some time ago, they added a sixth one to the list. Uh, this was done by David Kessler, which is meaning. But as you mentioned earlier, you did say that the experience and intensity of grief varies from person to person. So, what are your thoughts about staging the process of grief? Does everyone go through all six stages? Well, it was Elizabeth Kubler-Ross who studied the dying stages of her patients and then she came out with the stages and she tried to apply them to the bereaved family members or those loved ones about these stages. But this was a very old model, a study that is done Uh, perhaps 40-50 years ago, increasingly uh, there are more criticisms uh, rather than approval with this kind of model. Mm-hmm. You can add in a lot of other stages beyond the sixth stage. But uh, what is more recognized these days are that faces are not so accurately the model of, of grieving because Grief is generally very chaotic and also it is not linear. It is like a yo-yo or like a roller coaster. It, it goes up and down and you go forward and you go backward. Right. And therefore, modern theories of grief models uh, tend to favor an oscillation between what you are finding over the loss versus your adjustments to come to some kind of balance. Mm-hmm. So it swings left and right, up and down, you know, it is generally very messy. The grieving model that we are looking at uh, these days uh, more towards that than just that linear process of phases. I see. Okay. It's quite interesting that a lot of people in the world are still talking about these uh, five or six stages of grief, but actually it has already evolved to a more modern, more complicated stages of grief. So from what you're saying, if we really can't identify the stages of grief, then it is really not possible for us to determine how one, how long one will take to adapt and to recover from grief. 
So just to follow up on that, is it still possible to determine how long the normal grieving process takes? Well, the, the common consensus is that there is no ending point for grieving or the grieving process. As a rule of thumb, mm-hmm. of us uh, in the field would expect that normal loss with normal grief uh, would be more than over by two years. And because the standards are set higher, the DSM or the Diagnostic Statistics of Manual, the psychiatrists use, they even set a time frame of from two years to bring down to six months. And they are saying that uh, what is normal grief uh, can be considered as complicated complicated grief uh, requiring professional attention. When you find that you are not progressing well enough uh, mm-hmm. within six months, so uh, there is no general pattern, but uh, roughly we are talking about this time frame between six months and, and two years as something that is normal. Mm-hmm. And we find that, uh, of course, there are a lot of researchers that tells us that grieving people with proper support, whether professional or uh, informal support, uh, makes a lot of difference towards the shortening, uh, the period of where one comes to terms, uh, right. uh, from between the loss and coming to terms with the loss. I see. Okay, so could you just um tell us in brief how does grief or griefing affect us? Oh, <laughs> it affects us in all manners. And unless uh, someone has uh, really experienced tangible loss it would be very difficult to identify what is in theory and what is being experienced. So when one is grieving, especially when a loss is sudden or traumatic, it is felt in every faculty of our being, emotionally, mentally, behaviorally, and physically. Everything looks just colorless and blank. There's no future. There's no nothing to look forward to, no meaning, no purpose. So... The intensity, of course, varies with a lot of factors, especially with regards to the coping capacity of the person, the type of loss, and the circumstances of loss, and so on. Mm-hmm. So, they are experienced uh, very differently, but some even say that it is as painful as a childbirth. Only thing that one is very physical, but the other is affecting every aspect of the being. Alright. So, grief is very individualized in its presentation and it does affect every aspect of our being like doctor said so doctor um, moving on what is bereavement and how does it differ from grief bereavement is the event of the loss whereas grief is the expression of the consequences of the loss so what is an event one is an expression of the suffering due to the loss alright so grief occurs because of bereavement and other type of losses, of course. Alright. Not just bereavement, but also other types of losses, yes. Alright. And with Dr. said just now, we've heard that funerals have become way different um, during this movement restriction period. And usually funerals are for us to mourn the ones who have left us. But then now, um, if we have to abide to the new health ministry guidelines, um, bodies will not be handed over to families and they're given like a very limited time for mourning and also only a limited number of mourners are allowed during the funeral. So 
Doctor, these factors would, of course, affect the normal grieving process, right? But how could you um, say they affect? Could you elaborate on that? When we don't have the funeral rites, uh, of course, the bereaved family members will think that they have not done what is proper or what is required for the afterlife. And therefore, there can be a lot of guilt that uh, adds to the pain of the loss. And all these things can affect subsequently the grieving process mm-hmm. because they act as obstacles and roadblock to yes. the progress of grieving. Yeah. And we also need to remember that funerals and the services of funerals, they serve a very important function because not only symbolically, it, it gives us the opportunity to say goodbye, uh, mm-hmm. but more importantly, it makes real that the loss has happened Yes. And traditionally, the Biri family members will have access to the community support, the comfort that is being offered by the physical presence of relatives yeah. and friends. Yeah. So during the COVID-19 crisis, all these things are being deprived of. And therefore, it can bring about a lot of consequences that we don't know yet because the studies have not really been carried out. What are the full implications and to what extent that will add to the complicated grief that ensues? Alright. Okay, thank you, Doctor. Um, so far, we've had a general overview of grief and losses, as well as um, bereavement to some extent. Grief can affect us, any of us, and it can present differently depending on our age groups and certain other factors impacting our lives as a whole. And it is indeed vital to be understanding and supportive of each other when we're going through difficult times as such, especially towards our loved ones, our family and friends. Yes. So this marks the end of the first section of this podcast. So in conjunction with this episode about grief, let us just spare a few moments of silence to honour those who have left us. Thank you everyone for joining in on that. Welcome back to the second part. We've talked so much about the basis of grief previously, so I hope it really helps with the coping process since understanding is after all, half the process of managing. Now we'll move on to discussing about the actual ways of coping with grief. Yes, and currently the number of deaths in Malaysia, it's pretty concerning as it's um, almost approaching 100. Although, I feel like it's relatively smaller compared to the death toll in other countries like the US and um, European countries like France and Italy. It still is saddening. Yeah, you're right. Regardless of what the values are in the statistics, whether it's 100 or 10,000 or 20,000, these numbers should never be compared because every life is valuable and every death causes a great loss, sorrow, devastation to all the people who are surrounding and connected to the person who has passed away, like their family, their friends, their colleagues, their students. So, Doctor, in context of that, could you just give us some specialized advice on how to cope with the grief experience caused by the death? First of all, all sorts of losses needs to be processed because usually, you know, it involves a big change and our brains are not able to comprehend fully what has taken place. Mm-hmm. And especially with the 
losses due to COVID-19, which can be sudden and deprived of the proper funeral rites and so on, yeah. without the chance of saying goodbye in anticipation mm. of the loss, needs to be said or not said, and all these things can be very traumatic. Yeah, right. And therefore, family members, even between husband and wife, especially in one's uh, space for grieving. So either individually or collectively, this loss has to be processed to bring the reality of the loss of what we have experienced eh, so that we can comprehend and come to terms with what has taken place. Right. So with that processing, we can, by talking with one another, we can reflect and think of the, the life of someone, of the person that uh, has departed. And of course, in the processing, we also ventilate our emotions, allow the emotions to be ventilated. And uh, as we talk, then issues will surface issues that needs a resolution because unless issues are resolved they will add as roadblocks that can make a person stuck in his grief for years to go therefore issues has to be talked over and resolved people may be feeling a very guilty mm-hmm. of what they've done or not done people may have all sorts of fears of what is ahead and therefore you know such fears can overwhelm them over and above the grief that they are already experiencing and they may lost in terms of purpose in life, in the meaning of life without the loved one and all these things has to be rediscovered uh, so that uh, one will be able to move on in a more uh, wholesome and healthy way. Mm, okay. My heart really goes out to those who have lost someone in this COVID-19 crisis. In, essentially, what you're saying is that we need to um, uh, come together and speak about our emotions, accept what we're feeling, and then talk about what are the issues that we can resolve so we can have a more, uh, less burden on our minds and hearts. So, apart now moving on, just now, previously, you did say that uh, grief affects every aspect of our being. So physical symptoms like chest pain, palpitations and racing thoughts are actually inevitable and may be recurrent. Could you suggest some techniques to reduce these physical symptoms? Well, these physical symptoms arises because we are very down in our emotions or maybe we, we are feeling the stress and the trauma of the loss or we are disorientated, we are fatigued and so on. Of course, things like if the blood pressure is too high, then we perhaps will need medication or we are not eating, we have to look out, all those kind of things. We are not sleeping. Sometimes they need to have a proper medical attention. All right. So it is important to, for one to realize that uh, grief is a natural process and therefore one must learn to relax huh, in that season of loss because the more we fight over those symptoms or what we experience, the more we fight the grief, the more tension we become, the worse will be our physical symptoms. Mm-hmm. And therefore one has to learn to accept that we are wired to go through this kind of journey as a natural process and therefore we need to be kind to ourselves even to pamper ourselves in order that we can survive this uh, experience of grief and the latest study has shown that people can die of a broken heart in fact and therefore we, we must not try to push ourselves too much 
doing the same kind of work and uh, the same kind of performance but to realize that this is a very exceptional period that we owe it to ourselves to give ourselves the space to grieve right that's very shocking doctor that people can die of broken heart but um of course it would be helpful if people around us can help us if when we're grieving right but how do we support those who are experiencing grief at this time of um social distancing uh first of all is not necessary that everybody can understand us not everybody are empathetic towards what we're going through and therefore the grieving persons has to be selective if it's necessary even to close relatives who are judgmental and who wants to have things their way and insist that you move on so there might be a season of time where grieving person may need to avoid mm-hmm. them but more important is that uh, we identify people uh, who are supportive of us who can comfort us who knows who understands what we are going through and you know give us that space to breathe and that kind of support is very important right. okay yeah talking it over with them and uh, discussing with them the issues mm-hmm. that are involved All right. Mm-hmm. Um finally before we end this episode doctor, what will be your takeaway message for our listeners? First of all, encourage your family members who lost their loved ones through COVID-19 that it is very important for them to uh, grieve as a family, support one another, watch out for one another, and even family members who are away from the yeah. confines of the house. Uh, they still need to be contacted mm-hmm. through social yes. media so that we talk it over to make real what mm-hmm. has happened and also to resolve whatever issues that one is covering yes. now i want to say something to people in the front line the, the medical staff sure first of all i think if a patient is critical and they might not have a chance for the family to say goodbye Then I think it is not too difficult to connect them through the handphone, through right. Skype, and through whatever mm-hmm. forms there is, FaceTime, and so on. That they can have the time to say what they want, both the dying person to the family members and the family members to the dying person. At least you know there is an, a time of farewell, saying goodbye in anticipation of the worst. So I I think this can be done if we know the implications and the impact that it has on the yes. family. The the other point is I feel that informing the Berry family is very important because it is possible that we can be very insensitive to have someone who has no relationship or who do not know about the family uh, just to call and to give the information that so and so has uh, diabetes. Mm-hmm. Now I think. It is best to have the doctor or a nurse who who already in some way know the family members to use this person to make the call because there is already a relationship. Uh, he or she knows uh, who is the key person in the family to speak to, and I, I think it is not just just to pass the message, but also to be there, you know, to listen to them. Uh, how their responses, how they are reacting, you say a word of comfort, uh, then just to use somebody, you know, telephone receptionist or someone, you know, just to pass the message without the personal touch. I think it's very important that we must be attuned uh, to, especially to the emotional impact 
of such uh, informing in a time such as this. So maybe the medical profession can do something about this. Right. Okay. Point taken, doctor. So you've given us really wise and feasible ideas that uh, Biri families and also the frontliners can use in uh, approaching grief. We're finally almost reaching the end of our episode. I'll just summarize. In short, we have spoken about how to manage grief, particularly in death, how to manage the associated physical symptoms, ways to support those grieving around us despite the physical distance, how various family members should support each other, and how medical staff should approach grief with their patients. Yes, thank you, Doctor, and thank you, Siva. That was a very informational session. Hope our listeners have a better idea on grief and can work towards relieving themselves from grief. Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye, everyone. Thank you all for listening. Feel free to drop questions or feedback on our Facebook page, Malaysian Medics International. Also, do follow us on Spotify and iTunes so you don't miss out on our podcast episodes. Till next time, stay tuned for our next episode.